Congratulations! You're listening to a Radio One ninety one FM podcast. I think it's time, Seb, for a very special uh, interview to play. Mm. A very serious matter of uh, Thursdays in Black Otago that Radio One's very own Eileen Corcoran um, uh, curated. Yeah, shout out Eileen, um, very valued news reporter. um, For sure. Very important member of the Radio One Fano. Yeah, man. So uh, we'll have a listen to that, and then after, we'll have a very suitable track of Erica Badu, Hello. But for now, hand over to Eileen. Tēnā koutou katoa, ko Eileen tēnē. Trigger warning, this piece will discuss sexual assault, harassment and femicide. Sarah Everard followed all the rules women are taught from birth. She spoke to her boyfriend as she walked home through a park at 9pm on a Wednesday. She wore comfortable and warm clothes, shoes made for running. Still, it didn't save her. She was killed that night, March 3rd, 2021. A police officer is on trial for her murder. In the months since Sarah was murdered in London, women around the world have been united in mourning, fear, and maybe most prominently, rage. In London, a vigil for Sarah at Clapham Common, the site of her murder, was met with a heavy-handed police response, only exacerbating that fury. Closer to home, a protest in Porneke on March 31st was attended by hundreds, rallying behind a simple message. Let us live. Sarah's murder, committed by a strange man in the dark, represents a fear deeply held by most, if not all, women and gender minorities. Oh, that the severity of this fear does not represent reality. Sexual offences where the victim and offender are strangers are only a minority of sexual offences in New Zealand. Most are committed by current or former partners, family members, or those otherwise known to the victim. In Aotearoa, one in three women experiences sexual or physical violence at the hand of a partner in her lifetime. 50% of women murdered in this country are killed by a current or former partner. Sexual and gender-based violence occurs in relationships of all kinds and must not be viewed in a binary manner, but the vast majority is perpetrated by men, and most victims are women. Sarah's murder is not a random, isolated tragedy. It is symptomatic of a global epidemic of violence towards women and gender minorities. Since January 2019, New Zealand police data shows that 944 sexual offences have been reported to police in the Southern Police District, which covers Otipoti as well as the Otago and Southland provinces. It cannot be overemphasised that only a minority of sexual assaults are reported to police. A report from the Ministry of Justice last year estimated only 6% of women who are sexually assaulted in New Zealand report it to authorities. Dr. Melanie Bears, Associate Professor in the School of Social Sciences at Otago University, says that despite the low statistical likelihood of a woman being sexually assaulted by a stranger, the prevalence of street harassment and catcalling feeds into an environment where women and gender minorities do not feel safe. Safety is a feeling and what behaviours erode that feeling of safety, which I would say catcalling and street harassment would certainly erode that feeling of safety, Hmm. even if the people doing it have no intention of physical harm. Yes. When we don't feel safe, we behave as if we are not safe. And so these commonplace kinds of sexual harassment feed into a culture where women and gender minorities are forced to change their day-to-day actions to feel safe. Rebecca Shepherd, an executive member of Thursdays in Black Otago, says that widely held attitudes to women and gender minorities are the underlying factor in the issues that we face in moving towards a world without sexual violence. 
Three Otago University students were disciplined with regards to sexual assault last year. But as Thursdays and Black representatives told Critic earlier in the year, this likely only represents a small percentage of sexual assaults within the student population. Karen Thompson, Director of Student Services at Otago, says there are numerous reasons students who have been sexually assaulted might not seek support or justice, including fear of retaliation from the offender, fear of shame and judgment, and the impact of going through the court process on their study and lives. She identified Te Whare Tawhiro as the primary provider of support for students affected by sexual assault, saying the shelter blends academic research and expertise with best practice in preventing sexual violence and supporting victims. No single approach is going to solve every aspect of sexual assault and gendered violence. Dr. Bears says trust needs to be built between police and marginalised communities, such as Māori and Pacifica populations, as well as the trans community. She says that building trust between the police and those communities is a slow process. That kind of relationship building and trust building is not something that... It's one of those things that, in general, takes a long time to build, but not a lot of time to dismantle. Mm. Without that trust, members of those communities are far less likely to approach police after being assaulted. However, not all marginalised communities are open to building a relationship with a police force that has not only neglected their safety, but actively persecuted them. Police brutality is not an issue unique to America. It's hard to argue against the anger many in the UK are directing at police, not only due to Sarah's murder, but the heavy-handed response with which authorities met vigils in her memory. Rebecca says that people often forget that police misconduct occurs in New Zealand, and she believes that improving education around sex and consent is a crucial factor in reducing instances of sexual assault, not only in schools, but in universities and within the police. You know, we've seen all these, you know, videos and huge things coming out of America, but people do forget that this kind of thing happens on New Zealand soil as well, and there have been, you know, instances on social media where we've seen the police not behaving the way we would expect them to, not treating minorities with the same respect that we would expect them to. Um, But again, I think it comes down to the fact that there needs to be an attitude shift within those institutions, and that's, you know, the police, that's the university, that's, like, all those kind of institutions that are designed to keep people safe. There needs to be an attitude towards, you know, believing survivors, supporting survivors, and, you know, recognising that certain communities are more at risk of violence and ensuring that they are doing their bit to protect communities from that, and that, you know, comes from an attitude shift. If, you know, the police aren't inclined to believe women when they come forward with experiences of sexual violence or, you know, they aren't inclined to believe that women are, you know, at risk when they walk on the street at night, then they can't do anything about it practically. A study out of Auckland University earlier this year, led by Associate Professor Janet Fanslow, argued that engaging men and boys in education around consent and sexual assault is crucial, as they are the most likely to perpetrate such crimes. But if such programs are the answer, how should they be structured? How do we ensure that they're being taught correctly? Each solution raises as many questions as it answers. The various solutions we hear to sexual offences and gendered violence are frustrating because they boil down to one core answer, the one that echoed around Courtenay Place in Wellington two weeks ago. Let us live. Let us walk through parks at night without being murdered by a police officer. Let us grow up in homes where we don't have to fear our own families. Let us leave unhappy and unhealthy relationships without fear of being killed for it. It's not only perpetrators who must be held to account. The societal structures and institutions that protect and create them must be fixed, 
or else why do we have them? That was a Radio 191 FM podcast. Find more at r1.co.nz.